Welcome to the Marketplace Movement, where our vision is to reach, enhance, and advance lives. This week, we are on part 1.5 of There's Work to Be Done. We will learn how to properly master our response to opposition. So as always, please grab your notebook and your Bible and join us in the year to live the standard. continue to speak to us. And Lord, as we enter into this year, we enter into service. We enter into everything you're doing for us, God. I continue to ask that you give us a heart and a mind to serve at the level that you need us to serve. Lord, if there's anything in us that doesn't please you, God, rip it out. Do so in a way, God, that will focus our attention on who you are and what you do. And we repent, God, for being often so stubborn and so bullheaded when it comes to you and your will. But as we walk into this year, God, we are making declarations that we're living the standard. Thank you, God, for being so patient and gracious with us, with your standards. And God, as we move forward, allow us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In the strong name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, Sunday, as we started our series on living the standard, we said that there is work to be done. There is work to be done. And uh, again, I'm going to continue on in that vein about the work that we have to do. And I recognize that for many of us, uh, we, we hear the word work and immediately we have some trepidation as it pertains to that. Um, but after everything that the Lord has done for us, then we should be willing to admit that we owe him a lot. Does that make sense? We should be willing to admit, Lord, after everything you've done for me, I owe you so much. And to take it a step further, we should see the work that we do as a privilege and a response to everything the Lord has done for us. I'll say it again. We should see the work that we do for him as a privilege and a response to everything that the Lord has done for us. And I want us to go ahead and turn to Luke 14 before I get to my, my text and Psalms here. Luke 14. I want to read this first because this, this scripture, and I've, I've read it before, often comes under great debate John 14. John 14. So I, I really want to start with this because as we go in, all right, there's work to be done. When we do our work, and this is key, the work that we do should be in alignment with the work that he did. You understand? Let me, I said this Sunday, let me say it again. We can't just say, Lord, breathe on my stuff. What we should be saying to the Lord is, Lord, what is, what is it that you want me to do? And that's the lane that I want to get into. So in John chapter 14, very familiar, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. 
because I go to my father. Now, the, the theologians keep trying to explain this verse away. You know, he didn't really mean greater works. No, that's not what he meant. Or when he said greater works, he was really talking about that we would cover more territory, um, that we would see more people than he saw. But no, when he said greater works, he meant greater works. You can't explain this thing away. Many of us, if we're, we're just going to be honest, we're dreaming too small. Like, literally, when we're saying, Lord, I want you to do this, that's way beneath God level. You're asking God to do stuff that you can figure out how to do. We need to say, all right, Lord, I want to be in alignment with your will. I want to be in alignment with your way. And so when I start talking about that there's work to be done, I'm not simply saying there's, there's work to be done that's the stuff that I want to do. It's his work that needs to be done. I need us to understand that as we start talking about the standard, as we talk about the work. So when I talk about, Lord, I'm going to do the work that needs to be done, not my to-do list, his to-do list. Okay, let me, let me give it to you another way. Some of you, some of you in this room um, know that my average day is pretty busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, three kids in high school, married. You know, I got stuff. I do stuff. And, you know, I, I had you guys laughing because I told you, like, Daphne has seen me and sometimes she says, you make me tired just looking, right? So Daphne probably wouldn't want to switch to do this with me. Y'all catch that? She probably wouldn't, you know, like, here's what's on my list for the week. You take mine, I'll take yours. She wouldn't ask, why? Because at the end of the day, she ain't trying to do what I'm, what I'm doing. That doesn't make her inferior. That's just, she's been around me long enough to know that's probably not a to-do list that I'm interested in, right? Y'all with me? So when the Lord says in verse 12, he who believes in me, the works that I do, my to-do list, he will do also, is your to-do list. I want y'all to think about it just like that. The Lord literally said, I'm about to slide my to-do list over to you, and I need you to accomplish that and do greater. All of a sudden, the brevity of that starts making sense now, don't it? Here, go handle this. Knock this out for me. We, we immediately figure out, I can't do that in my own strength. Ain't no way in the world that I'm trying to do greater works than these as me. I have to have a relationship of uh, with the Lord that is legitimate. I have to have the power of the Holy Spirit working through me. Otherwise, I'm not even going to do similar works. So for us to accomplish this, we have to start there. Now, so we say, all right, cool. I'm going to give you my yes. I'm going to do these works. I'm going to line up. I'm going to do exactly what you said that I'm supposed to do. The greatest challenge to the work of the Lord is often us, not the devil. The greatest challenge is, is, is us. And, and let me tell you what this challenge is. It's how we respond to the opposition. Because every time you say yes, there's going to be trouble. Scripture says it like this. In this world, there will be trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. There's going to be trouble when you give the Lord your yes. The danger is not the trouble. The danger is our response to the trouble. And I've said before, I'll say again, that somewhere we've lied to people and told them that when things get hard, something's wrong. Opposition is not always an indicator that something's going wrong in your life. 
Opposition can be an indicator that something is going very right. If a climber is climbing Mount Everest and he's going up higher and higher and higher and doesn't come to a place where he needs oxygen, you might be on the wrong mountain. You understand what I'm saying? Because the climber has an expectation that at a certain level, I'm gonna need somebody else to help me go higher. And if I get so high when I thought that I should need oxygen and I don't need it, I'm on the wrong mountain. So if, if I'm breathing on my own when I should need some help, this is not an indicator that I'm doing something right. It's an indicator that I'm in, out, actually out of position. Are y'all following me? What proves that they're in the right place is when they get so high that they need artificial oxygen. Sometimes, y'all, what proves that we're in the will of God is when the opposition comes. It actually becomes the validator that we're in the right place at the right time. Because in this day, okay, a woman giving birth, if this woman is giving birth and she starts having contractions and the doctor comes in and says, do you feel anything? And she goes, no. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Well, the, the monitor says you have a contraction. Does it hurt? No, no pain. Something wrong, sis. Something's going on because it's going to hurt. There's some women in here that has kids. Now, it, they ain't gonna, now you can go ahead and they can give you some drugs. But watch this. The drugs that they give you, the drugs that they give you, don't take away the pain. They take away your ability to feel it. Your body is still going through the same trauma. What's happening is that they have to numb the part of your body that goes through drama so the part of your body that is actually experiencing pain doesn't feel it. It's like when you go through surgery, you bleed just like you're not under anesthesia. Your body still reacts as if it is going through the trauma. You just can't feel it. It's artificial. Amen. So we have to say, all right, Lord, if I'm going to say yes to you, opposition is going to come. And the greatest opposition is our response. The greatest thing that we have to learn to master, write this down, you have to learn to master your response to opposition. How many of us struggle with our mouth? All right. You have to learn to master your response to opposition, no matter what source it comes from. Because some of us can master your response when it don't come from a particular source. This depends on who opposes you. All right? When I say that we must master our response, I'm talking about the response of heart and mouth. I'm going to get this further. Because some of us, again, restraint is not deliverance, right? So you've mastered the response of your mouth, but you haven't mastered the response of your heart. So when I talk about that you have to learn to master your response, you have to learn to master the response of mouth and heart. Why? What's the scripture say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's Matthew 12. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The word abundance right there in the text means overflow. Let me show you how your mouth gets to talking. When your heart gets to the place where it's running over, your mouth is required to respond. So anybody ever said, you know, I've had enough? What, what you're literally describing is the overflow condition of your heart. I can no longer contain what I'm going to say, and now it's going to have to come out. Now, but if your heart is in the right place, you're not concerned about the overflow. If your heart's in the wrong place, restraint is overridden, and now overflow comes out. And this is what somebody get told off. Okay? So the thing that we have to master is our response. Does that make sense? 
Yes? All right. Now I can get to my psalm sets. Because when I read in Psalms on Sunday, and these are really the three verses, 9, 10, 11. When I, when I read in Psalms on Sunday, we got stuck up above this. I was brought low and he saved me. I still want to run. Um, still right now. I still want to run right, right in this year. I still want to run right now. And, and it's interesting because the psalmist, I was really trying to get to verse 12, y'all. That's where I was. My goal was to get to verse 12. Y'all didn't let me get past verse 6. I blame you. Blame you for this. And I'm not going to get past 11 tonight. So, he goes in, and then the psalmist is really talking about a bad condition. The psalmist is in a bad spot. He's relaying everything that the Lord has done. Uh, look at verse 9. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 10. I believed when I said... I'm greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. Y'all see this? Now, where did I start? The thing that I have to learn to master during times of opposition, I have to master my response, right? Response is heart, then mouth. Notice the psalmist. I walk before the Lord in the land of living. All right, that's good. I believe when I said, I'm greatly afflicted. I said... In my alarm, all men are liars. I want us to really pay attention to how the psalmist is responding to trouble. Remember, and if you if you haven't written this before, this is a good time to write. Your mouth is a fruit producer. Your mouth is a fruit producer. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? They that love it eat the fruit thereof. So your mouth is a fruit producer. But let me go to number two here. Your words are tied to what you believe. Write that down. Your words are tied to what you believe. So look at the text. Look at what it says. I believe. Y'all see that? I believe when I say it. This is important. Because it was the belief that triggered this. That should have done that. <laughs> the belief triggered this right here. So, my hands off. so I believe when I say it. I believed it. I said it. Think about that for a second. What do you believe? What do you believe? In your head, what do you believe about healing? Like, what do you believe? Now, what were you taught? What do you believe? Because belief is more than just regurgitation of facts. Belief in the Hebrew here relates to faith. So when I talk about what you believe, not what do you say. What do you believe? What do you have faith in? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I believe when I say it. Daphne, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Read that for me when you get there. She's flipping. New Testament. Let's go down. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Read it one more time. But having the same spirit of faith, 
according to what is written. I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Stop. Y'all hear those? I believe. Next word. Therefore, what did I do? I spoke. We all believe. Therefore, we speak. Starts off. We all have the same spirit of faith. So what was Paul telling them in Corinthians? Like, look, since I've all got you on the same page, y'all get to start talking. Did y'all catch that? Since we all got the same spirit of faith, I believe, therefore I spoke. We all believe, therefore we speak. Here's our problem. We go to speaking when we ain't got our believing right. Look at what the psalmist says. I believe. Here's, here's where this whole issue started. I believe when I said, what did he say? I am greatly what? So he says something. He says, I have belief, and that belief caused me to say I'm greatly afflicted. Now pay attention. I'm not saying that ain't true. The danger is what the belief was. I believe I'm greatly afflicted. My faith is in my affliction, not in my deliverance. I believe when I said I am, statement of belief, I am greatly afflicted. Now, what did that cause? Look at verse 11. I said in my, what's this word? Watch. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. Slow it down. So I have a belief. My belief caused my mouth to speak because my mouth is a fruit producer, right? Now, I believe that I was greatly afflicted. I said in the midst of my alarm, that word alarm right there is the word haste. So he says, I say in my alarm or in my haste. Y'all see this? I said in my haste, all men are liars. Now watch, this is important. In my haste, I was hasty. I rushed to a conclusion. Before I could think that thing out, I said something before I actually put benefit behind it. I didn't pray, nothing. Because I, I believed, I spoke, I believed in my affliction, and it made me say something. My mouth is a fruit producer. What did it make me say? Here's the key right here. All men are liars. It caused an absolute to come out of my mouth. You have to be careful because the moment that you speak in absolute, it is absolutely not true. When I counsel couples, I tell them, be careful of absolutes because absolutes create arguments all the time. Anytime you're trying to speak and you're trying to communicate and you say, you always, you never, this always happens because what's going to happen is it causes the other person to look through their whole life and find the one time that that statement is untrue. You always, mm -mm, not three years ago on Tuesday. So look at what the, the psalmist says. I walk before the Lord of my living. I believe, this is their condition, when I said, I'm greatly afflicted. I said, in my haste, all men are liars. Are y'all paying attention to this? Our words are tied to what we believe. And here's the thing, when our beliefs are faulty, our words are faulty. Soon as they created this absolute statement, they said, all men are liars. Is that true? Come on now. Is that true? If I'm in a state of affliction, what danger does it put me in if I believe that all men are liars? Now when God sends a man to speak a word to me, my affliction caused me to produce a fruit that every man is a liar. Now I can't even receive the word of the Lord because I've already said all men are liars. 
Okay, I'm going to get it even more practical. So here it is. I'm going through in this relationship. Because I'm going through in this relationship, I speak. I'm never going to get married. God got somebody else for you in your life. But you've already created a reality with your mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You've created an environment of fruit with your mouth. When God tries to send you somebody because you stated an absolute into the atmosphere, now all of a sudden you won't hear what God is trying to do. You won't see what God is trying to send you because I said in my alarm, be careful what you say. When you're in a season of not being able to say the right thing. I said in my haste. What does the scripture say about haste? Be anxious for what? That word anxious is don't be hasty. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving make your request be made known unto the Lord. Like careful. Don't get here. Because when you hear in your heart, you're going to mess around. Say the wrong thing. Amen. I said in my haste, absolute, all men are liars. So now that that's, now that my belief has caused my mouth to produce, now, now, when God sends a prophet, mm -mm, all men are liars. When the Lord tries to speak a word, all men are liars. When the Lord tries to change direction, all men are liars. When the Lord tries to correct you, all men are liars. Because I created a statement when I shouldn't have been talking at all. Is this making sense to y'all? So when opposition comes, people of God, we have to be very, very, very careful how we respond during the opposition. Because you create and walk in a mindset that adversely affects your future. Are y'all following? Some of us are right here. I believe when I say it. So let's go back to what I was saying. Think about the area in your life that's out of order. Whatever that area is, what do you believe about it? Because many people start saying, I believe this is just the way it's going to be. Anybody ever been there? This is just the way it's going to be. I see people get into that because they've never seen it any different. This is just the way it's going to be. This, is, this ain't going to change. Like I talk to people like that all the time. This ain't going to change. Why ain't going to change? Because it's always been like this. Well, it had never rained up until the time of Noah. Y'all with me? Here comes the Lord. It's going to rain. They've never seen rain. The people, God, that blesses me. The people who had the mindset of this is the way it's always been, therefore this is the way it's always going to be, they died. The one man who had enough belief to say, I don't have to see it to believe it, he lived. So when you say this is the way it's always been or I'm coming down somebody's road, it ain't going to change. Let me make it more specific. You ain't going to change. You always been like this. You ain't never done no different. You ain't gonna do no different. According to who? What are we saying? How can we believe that God can do exceeding abundantly and not believe God can change people? But what happens is you get to saying this in your alarm. The, the alarm is legitimate, but you gotta be you gotta be careful during that time. It's legitimate but dangerous. I said, okay, an alarm 
is there to keep you safe. But watch this. This is why schools have drills for alarms. Because the alarm goes off to keep you safe, but you also have to be orderly while the alarm is sounding. Because if the alarm sounds and you don't have a plan for alarm, even though you could have got out safe, you'll hurt yourself. So it's not the alarm that I want y'all to, like you can go home right now and somebody broke in your house. Now I hope that's not true, but you could. Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you an even better one. So, you know, the wind for a while blew like crazy. Just, it was just blowing all that. And so my kid, uh, Ania was in the car, she's like, oh Lord dad, maybe you should move the cars onto the street. You know, because the tree in the front yard, one of the branches even fell off and just busted the car all down. It'd, it'd be terrible. It'd be terrible to fall over the car because I like my car. You know, that's what she said. I like my car. She don't care about my car. But my car, I like it. You can't have a big tree fall on it. And I said, well, Anil, um, we got insurance. And she, she was kind of silent for a minute. She was like, well, like she was dumbfounded. Like, wait a minute. Like, hold on. I'm not going to get all worked up over something that I got a plan for. I got to make all these, I got to do all this provision if I ain't got no plan. Now, if I ain't got no insurance, I'm out here driving dirty, I better move the cars. I better, I might need to build me a temporary structure because I don't have no plan for this. I can't handle if something goes wrong. Y'all with me? And there's nothing I can do. If something goes wrong, I'm in trouble. But the reason that I wasn't worried, the reason I could just walk on in the house and not be stressed, and if the tree falls down, it's going to be like, man, just calm, calm, calm. Because I got a plan for this. Watch. I got enough investment in my policy. You with me? My, my policy my is not delinquent. Which means they're obligated based upon the seeds that have been sown. There's an obligation. There's a harvest that is connected to my seed. They can't tell me, right? They can't come out. Okay, hey, I, I, you know, I, I need to make a claim. They can't say, no, we ain't making claims. Excuse me. Excuse me. Policy in full effect. You are obligated based upon the seeds that have been sown. And what we get in trouble is we get here and we ain't got no seed in the ground. So we allow the alarm to dictate us instead of our faith. The alarm tells you what to do. The alarm freaks you out. You're going crazy because of the alarm. And I, I really need you guys to, to, to be honest with yourself. Like when it comes to your healing, when it comes to your financial security, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your children, what do you believe? Another statement I need to make so that you all are clear and you should always write it down. I challenge myself with this all the time. My prayer is only as potent as my belief. The potency of my prayer is based upon the legitimacy of my faith. My prayer is only as potent as my belief. If I don't believe it, my prayer has no strength. But see, oftentimes that's not what we're told though. All we do is, you know, we just quote text. We just quote scripture. Amen. We just quote. We get to we get to a circumstances and we go to quote. We don't believe nothing we quote.
what you say. You said I never seek righteousness. No, his seed go better than bread. Now you you knew that that was the, the good one to quote right now because your seed is better than bread. So you that was a good one to quote right now, but you don't believe it because right after you quoted it, you drank the whole bottle. Right after you quoted it, you paced the floor all night. Right after you quoted it, you made sure you went and got high. Amen? So again, I believe when I say I'm greatly afflicted, I do not want to take away the trouble. I don't want you to say that I'm saying that the trouble is not real. What I'm trying to get you guys to do is to respond to the trouble like Christians and not like unbelievers. I'm trying to get you to respond to it like you got faith. We walk by what? Not by what? We walk by who? Not by what? Now, that scripture, we walk by faith and not by sight, is about making an exchange of your senses. When you say we walk by faith and not by sight, what you're saying is I'm making an exchange of my senses. I'm going to give up my natural senses in exchange for spiritual senses. Because let me tell you, sometimes what you see with these, with these natural eyes, yeah, you need to ignore that. No, for real. Like sometimes your natural eyes is like, and the Lord was like, ignore it. Trust me when I tell you, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. But Lord, do you see this? What you hear with these ears, you need to ignore that. You're saying to yourself, Lord, do you hear this? Did you? Was you on the phone with me just now? They said that everybody in my department about to just lose their job tomorrow. So I need to do something. The Lord was like, did I tell you to do something? I just, I just need to know what I said. What did the Lord say? And so we have to be careful. Does that make sense? And I challenge you right here. Focus on this. You know, if you if you really want a tangible, a tangible exercise to take yourself through, I do it often. A tangible exercise to take yourself through is write down your problem. You know how I'll tell you guys, write down your problem, write down the scripture that goes with it? All right, watch this. Write down the problem and then write down everything you believe about your problem. Don't write down what you heard about it. Write down what you believe about it. Like, what do you believe? Because, watch this, normally fear is based upon belief. The reason you are afraid about something, when I talk about fear, I'm not talking about the reverential awe where the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. I'm talking about he has not given you the spirit of fear. That's dread, right? Normally the reason that we're afraid is because our belief is out of order. So we get a bad report boss, doctor, whatever, fear comes in and tells you, here's the outcome. You 20 steps down the road because your fear told you your, your pattern. Your fear told you your destiny. You haven't even let God speak yet. This is when you start seeking an absolutes. See, your haste, the alarm goes off. Fear, boom, your alarm goes off. And now, it's never gonna be good. It's always gonna be bad. I ain't never gonna get another job. My life is over. My life is ruined. It's terrible. It's wait a minute. You're producing fruit. 
with your lips. They that love it eat the fruit thereof. I was in I was in juvenile, I was in juvenile court. And I was talking to an 18-year-old man. 18. Mind you, he's 18 years old. He had just turned 18. They they bonded him over as an adult. He was gonna go to adult prison. He had already got his sentence. He hadn't left yet. And they gave him his sentence, and he was scheduled to be released, even if he didn't get out early. He was he's 18 now. He'd been a juvenile. He knew for sure he's getting out at 21. That's what he's getting out. Now, I'm not saying this is good, nothing, but I want y'all to hear his statement. I said, my life. My life over. I ain't gonna never be able to make nothing of myself. They take my whole life away. I said, do you know how much you can get done after 21? But in his mind, from 18 to 21, life is over. Like, He's like, when I get out, I'm going to be 21. I'm like, all right. So I'm, so literally, watch this. I'm telling him, so get your plan together. Plan your work, work your plan. Since you've made this mistake, here's where you're going to have to go. When you go into jail, go in with this mindset. Every program they offer, do you have your GED? No. Get your GED first because they're going to go and get So go in, get your GED. After that, go ahead and work your associates out. I know, I know. You messed up. But while you're in there, plan your work, work your plan. Take advantage of your mistake and, and, and do something with this thing. But in his mind, his life was over. Somewhere, somebody had told him that 21 was the end. See, watch this. Just because, see, he don't even agree. Just because... <laughs> Just because you've never, yes, Lord, just because you've never seen anyone else come out of what you're going through don't mean you won't be the first. Thank you, Jesus. Did y'all hear that? Just because you've never seen anyone else come out of what you're going through does not mean you won't be the first. Amen. We want to be the first in everything else. I'm going to be the first in my family to go to college. I'm going to be the first in my family to own a business. How about you be the first in your family to be delivered? I'm going to be the first in my family that don't have to fight that. How about that? How about, how about we done with that? How about this one's over right here? Amen? All right. Let me, let me read on a little bit in the text. It's not up on the screen, but I need this to be on the screen. And I can write. I'm so excited. All right. The very next verse he says. The very next verse he says. What shall I read? Verse 12. I'm in Psalm 116. That's the very next verse the psalmist said. So watch this. Here's his mentality. I want y'all to know this for years. I say it. All men are liars. But then somewhere, he had enough good sense to ask a good question. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? What shall I render? How much do I owe you, Lord? Literally, literally verse 12 is like the psalmist, the writer saying, how much I owe you? Can I get my bill? And so he actually responds with what he's willing to pay. His response starts in verse 13. I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Stop. So, three things. Three things he said he's going to do. 
Because he asked the question, how much I owe you? He responds with three things he's willing to pay. And I'm going to say this, y'all. If, if we're not willing to do these three things, we're not willing to do the work. Right here at the beginning of the year, when I'm telling you guys to, to let's live the standard, look at these three things. How much I owe you, Lord? Here's what he says in verse 13. I shall lift up the cup of my salvation. What, did, what does that really mean? He, he literally is saying, I am willing to show all men who I am in you. That's lifting up the cup of his salvation. He's literally saying, here, this is who I am. Like, not to fake me, this is what you've made me. If you're ashamed to honor me before men, I'll be ashamed to honor you before my father. I will lift up the cup. In other words, I'll make a toast. I will show everybody. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift this thing. That's the first thing he said I'm going to do. I'm going to lift up the cup of my salvation. Here, I'll tell everybody that it's all because of you. And, 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 and listen, guys, we really got to be careful in some of our, uh, as the scripture would call it, selfish ambition. Right? Some of the stuff that we call in goals are ours, not his. We got to be careful. Because I ask people all the time, if you succeed in what you prayed for, who's going to get the credit for that? Y'all hear that? If you succeed in what you just prayed for, who would get the credit? At the end of the day, you got to say, Lord, this, is, this thing's all about you. I want you to get the credit. Now, there's, there's two responses to who gets the credit. Either God doesn't get the credit because we're selfish, we're arrogant, we're hypocritical, whatever. Or God doesn't get the credit because it wasn't big enough to be godly. Did y'all hear that? Some of the stuff we're asking God to do, nobody's going to see it as God. They're going to see it as us. And, let me move further. We're in such this hustle culture, right? This hustle culture, this grind culture, that's what we call it. I'm out here hustling. I'm out here grinding. We have actually attributed the language of the street to the things of the kingdom. And because we're in such this hustle grind culture, when people see manifestation, we make the great mistake of, of thinking that it's by our effort. I worked so hard, I hustled so hard, I grinded so much that this is why I got this manifestation. Hold on, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. So at the end of the day, anything godly didn't have to do only with you if it had not been for the Lord on your side, right? But we're in this culture where we feel like if we're not putting in all of this fleshly effort, somehow we're wrong. Now we do have to be diligent, we do have to do our part, we do have to work, we do have to put our time in. However, we have to be careful of thinking that there is a direct connection between our labor and God's manifestation. Explain. You can't do enough for God to say, all right, that's all grace and mercy. Are y'all following me? Yes, I got stuff to do. Reap, sow, seed time, harvest. I'm not telling y'all not to work. I am saying, don't make the mistake of thinking that if I give him $2, he's going to give me $2 worth of blessing. If I give him $5, he's going to give me $5 worth of blessing. If I shout it just a little bit harder, then, then, then his, his manifestation is going to match how hard I shout. Come on now. The widow in her might shows us something completely different. Everybody was writing big checks that day, and the Lord and Jesus never moved. The widow came up and gave half a penny, and he stopped everything like, yep, that one. She gave more than all of them. His disciples was like, time out. What happened? She barely gave nothing. He's like, you missed it. 
They had plenty to give. She didn't have anything. I see that as more. Wow, God. Y'all with me? But, but we want to equate how hard to how much. Let me tell you the other danger in that before I move on. When you equate how hard to how much, you'll actually end up despising somebody who you don't think worked as hard as you and got more. Okay. Are y'all following me? I put my time in. I did this, and I did that, and I did this. How in the world they get this when I've been doing so much more than them? Hold on. What do you think this is about? I got the rain falling on the just and the unjust. We don't get to decide who gets what. His will, his glory, that's what gets to decide. And we have no idea how much somebody is putting in in their heart. We don't, we don't know what somebody is putting in in their private time. We have no idea how hard they're praying. We don't know, and, and, and we don't know the plans of the Lord. Sometimes the Lord's like, I'm going to go ahead on and bless them. I'm going to go ahead on and bless them. Because they whole generation they be blessed. Amen. See, the reason you didn't get blessed is because you're in a generational blessing and you messed around and broke that thing by having a sense of entitlement. Some of us, God already started the spiral, the, 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 literally the snowball of blessing started before us. But then we made the mistake of thinking we were entitled because we saw them get it. And the Lord was like, all right, here's what I'm about to do. I'm about to show you struggle because you messed around and thought you deserved this. Somebody else, they got to be the first to come out of struggle. They've never seen anything but struggle. And now you, uh, we're upset with them. My, 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 my daddy was so-and-so. My granddaddy was so-and-so. The Lord was like, that's the problem. Because you didn't find me. Amen? So, so again, he says, I will show all men. Then he says, I'll call upon the name of the Lord. So I'm going to show everybody who did it, but then I'm also going to invite you in. Call upon the name. Call upon the character of the Lord. Here it is. We have to say, if I'm going to render anything to the Lord, first of all, I got to be willing to honor him before men, but I also have to be willing to make sure he has a consistent place in my life. Calling upon the name of the Lord doesn't simply mean standing on the mountain and saying, come on, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. Right now, Jesus. Come through Jesus. Calling upon the name of the Lord means allowing him to have consistency in your life, giving him place, making room. Amen. The Lord shouldn't have to butt in your life. He shouldn't have to fight his way into your heart. You should be inviting him in. You should be giving him an invitation. Does that make sense? We invite everybody else. Okay, watch. If, if you're doing a housewarming and you are hoping that people come and give you housewarming gifts, wouldn't you invite them to the house? Or do you just or do you just expect them to give you a gift without an invitation? Oh, it's, it's, it got quiet in here now. Think about that. I want you to give me something, but I don't want you here. I don't want you to come where I am, but I do want what you offer. You're not invited to my house, but can you send me the blessing for my house? That's how we do the Lord. Lord, bless me. But don't come over. Don't come over. I don't want you here. At least not for a long time. I need you to 
to swing by like the UPS man, leave my stuff on the porch, keep it moving. You not, you not, I don't want you in my house. The Lord was like, look, hold on. My gift is connected to your willingness to let me enter. Let me give you one more thing, though. The more open you are with your invitation to the Lord, the, not only the, the quicker, but, but put it in the natural. What you're saying is, listen, Lord, I'm so transparent, I'm not hiding anything from you. Yes, Come on. Just, you're welcome here. I, I used to hear some of the old preachers say, you know, about the Holy Ghost, because people would be talking about, I just don't know why I can't receive the, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and the, old, the old preachers would say, because you haven't invited him in, he's a gentleman. They would say, he's a gentleman. He's, he's not going to barge himself in until you give him an invitation. He'll stand outside. He's a gentleman. Now, now be careful, y'all, because here's the other mistake that we make as Christians. Lord, you can go in this room, but don't go in that one. You can't come in this room. Right. You you okay here? Like, you know, I have, I have you you can be my foyer Jesus. Foyer Jesus. You entrance way home. Don't 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 come in, don't don't come into the living room. Don't come into the living room. You can come in the dining room if you come through the other entry. Amen. Because to get to that, you gotta go through the den, and I got some stuff in the den I'm not ready to get rid of. Amen. Certainly can't go in, certainly can't come in these bedrooms. Can't come in there. And that's why I keep stuff that I don't want nobody to see. Y'all quiet. Your heart has rooms. Your mind has rooms. Your history has rooms. Everywhere where you do not allow the Lord is an area that you are telling him you do not want him to work freely. I said your heart has rooms. Your mind has rooms. Your history has rooms. Everywhere that you will not allow him to go is an area that he is not willing to, he's not able to work freely. And we literally say stuff like that. I ain't ready to talk about it. Now we don't want y'all to say that. Oh no, that's being mature. Are we sure? Because some of the stuff you're not willing to talk about is the stuff that's killing you. Think about it. I'm not willing to talk about it. Or here's a, here's a better one we say. I'm not ready to talk about it, but you're ready to be affected by it. The stuff that we're not communicating is, watch this, aggressively attacking us. So when you say, I'm not ready to give that over to the Lord, I'm not ready to talk about that, I'm not ready to deal with that, but you're still allowing that thing to affect you. So it's affecting your worship, it's affecting your praise, it's affecting your interaction, watch. All men are liars. This thing don't affect your interaction with the very person, place, or thing that hurt you initially. It creates an absolute. An improper belief trails out of your mouth and creates an absolute that affects your entire reality. I'll give it to you another way if y'all missed that one. A double-minded man is unstable in, what's the next word? Oh. Thank you. If I am double-minded in one area, I become unstable in every area. I only have to be double-minded in one place. What is double-mindedness? Having two minds. What is two minds? Having two views. What is two views? Die vision. Two. 
business, which creates instability in every area of your life. Example, when you can't come clean or come clear about something, it actually will put roadblocks on everything else you're thinking about. Have something on your mind. Something you can't get an answer to. Anybody ever been there? Somebody come in and talk to you. Hold on, I'm thinking about something. You just put that conversation on hold because this thing currently has you. Right. She said a wall. The wall. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. That, that's, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good analogy. That's, that is a good analogy. Everything is on hold. Everything. So I really want us to pay attention. What areas in our life are literally, listen, they're actively blocking destiny while we are actively unwilling to handle it. Thinking, thinking, here's what, here's, here's, here's the misguided thought. I'm not ready as if it's going to play nice on the shelf to you all. <laughs> like, like you're gonna tell, like you're gonna tell that demon, I'm not ready to prove with you right now. And the demon gonna go, no problem. I'll be right here when you're ready for me. When you ready, when you're ready to, 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 to pray and deal with me and to evict me, I'll be here. That devil's like, well, since she ain't ready, since she ain't ready, let me go get some buddies. <laughs> okay? So the first thing I gotta do is show all men, then invite him in. Then he says, I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Verse 14. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be, watch, in the presence of all his people. Here's that verse 14 right there. He says, look, I'm going to do the work. So I'm going to two things, I mean three things, show all men, invite him in, last, do the work. But it's the work thing that got me because he says, I'm going to pay my vows now, but I'm not going to do it privately. I'm going to do the work and I'm going to do it in front of everybody. This right here, for many of you, and I, and I need to say it prophetically so that some of you can hear it. Please, God, stop running from what God said. Telling the Lord what you qualify for. Lord, you know, I'm, I'm just not ready. According to who? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I heard a preacher say the other day, he said, some of us are delaying our destiny while we're trying to emulate a lie we see on social media. So what you say is you'll look at somebody else's life and you go, since I'm not there, I'm not ready. Here's the truth. They're not there either. I had a meeting, I had a meeting with somebody today who was who's you know looking at walking into ministry talking about this is what it looks like here's how you walk into ministry and so I pulled up somebody on social media and I started going through their posts so I went through their posts and they was dressed to the nines and I went through another post and they had you know big boy brand new car I went through another post and they was posing with celebrities and I went through another post and they was on vacation and I went through another post and they was on a boat and I went through another post and they was preaching before a bunch of people and I said, look like they're doing pretty good, right? Like, oh yeah, they're doing pretty good. So then I went down a post and I said, what's the address to the church? Right. And so they told me, I said, okay. 
Give me a minute. I pulled up Google Maps. And I put in the address to the church. And I went to the street view. And so I swung the camera around. And it was like junkyard. You know, you because a minute, they, they dress to the times, right? You, you're thinking, like, we're going to swing around and we're going to see this edifice. Hmm. We swung around and it was old brick, busted down building. I said, there's the church. And I said, now, I know this guy. He's a good guy. Pretty solid guy. I said, but some people will look at everything that he showed and think he's somewhere that he's not. And then we'd be the very ones depressed, talking about why God, you ain't blessing me. Actually missing, you're very blessed. And some of us don't even want the pressure of trying to keep that lie alive. See, sometimes we're sitting up there and God had to really Minister to me as a as a young preacher. I'm coming up on I'm coming up on 21 years of public preaching ministry, and I remember calling a guy who again was preaching out everywhere. And I'm just trying to figure out. I'm like, ain't nobody calling me to preach nowhere. This is terrible. I got to be doing something wrong. Because, and I remember we would be together and he was telling me how, you know, he went and preached for so-and-so and he flew him in, put him up, you know. I'm young, I don't know no better. I'm like, this is terrible. I got to be doing something wrong. And so I asked him, I said, well, how did that happen? And he gave me a real spiritual response. The Lord just did it. He lied. <laughs> and so now his life is in turmoil now he's still given the image listen to me he's still given the image that everything is fine but at this point see sometimes God will show you the truth don't use the truth that God shows you as ammunition to hurt the person he shows you the truth about okay Sometimes God shows you the truth about somebody not so that you have ammunition against them, but so that you have strength in you. Okay, y'all not listening to me. We'll, we'll get the truth about somebody, and now we want to blast them. We're no better at that point. God showed me that truth, and God was like, now, stop feeling the way you feel about somebody who you ain't trying to be. You are right, Jesus. You are right. And so now when I see him, I'm more grieved because I know the truth. Y'all with me? For many of you, before you go in and thinking they got it so much better than you, some of that stuff is lying. And it creates this. Because you can make you can make purchasing decisions based upon what you think somebody else is doing. Right? You, you, you try to do all trying to keep up. You ain't your alarm. Your belief creates an alarm. Your alarm makes an absolute. This is a problem. 
My belief creates an alarm, my alarm creates an absolute. Now, if that principle, if you put it into place the right way, if I believe what God say, and now I'm alarmed at the work of the enemy, the absolute that I will create will connect to the belief of what the Lord said. Oh, now we're doing something. Y'all see that? Lord, I believe your word. That report creates an alarm, but what I actually say, the, the, the absolute matches my belief. Amen? Alright, I'm going to pray. Y'all learn something? Yes. Alright. I know I gave y'all a lot. Y'all just... We just got to make decisions, y'all. That's really, that's really the heart of what I'm saying. We got to decide. At some point, we got to say, alright, alright. Let me quit all this complaining, fussing, and going round and round about something and just do what the Lord said. Amen? My challenge to all of you this year, moving forward is that you focus on his will for your life and unfocus from his will for somebody else. That makes sense? Like, let me, because some of the stuff, that, again, some of the stuff you think is blessings are burdens. Really. I can't believe they got that new job. That job about to whoop them. I mean, that is a millstone, y'all think that. They're going to walk into that job and they, they got graced for it. They manipulate their way to it. They don't have the anointing for it. They don't, they're not going to walk in ease. The anointing on their life is not for that position. And now all of a sudden they got to carry it on their own shoulder. Just sit back. Just sit back. Amen. You have just listened to part 1.5 of the Marketplace Movement podcast. There's work to be done series. There's still so much more training to go. Please like us on the Marketplace Movement Facebook and Instagram page. Hashtag the Marketplace Movement. Follow us on Twitter at the Marketplace R-E-A-L and visit our website, themarketplacemovement.org. We invite you to worship with us at 3300 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, or catch us on Periscope every Sunday and Wednesday. Remember, your mouth is a producer. Your words are tied to what you believe. We hope to see you soon at the Marketplace Movement, where we reach, enhance, and advance lives. Thank you.